0: to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now here's Pastor Scott.
1: So we talk a lot about perspective and it's so easy to lose perspective. Perspective is everything. Uh, Last week I had the picture frame up here and and according to where you were sitting, your, your view was different. You had a different perspective of the platform. The analogy is that we must indeed keep proper perspective. The importance of us having a biblical world view for every day, not just Sunday morning. If we are walking through life and, and we can't see the cross, if, if we're walking through life and we can't see Jesus, then we need to adjust our walk. We need to adjust our perspective so we can see him, so we can hear his voice. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I have the ability to repent, to believe, to accept Jesus Christ, and to ask for forgiveness of our sins, restoring that relationship with the Father. That's what it's all about. Perspective as we navigate life in this world filled of fear and chaos and mistrust and deceit. We've got to look through the frame of God's word. If we don't, we're going to lose hope we'll lose our way. And listen, this is hard, we all struggle with this, but if you're letting the world, and what the world says, if you're letting that dictate your faith, then you're gonna struggle, continually. It's gonna be hard. As Christians, with the proper perspective, we can be strong. We can be hopeful, as Peter's been telling us. We can even be joyful. Right in the midst of everything else That's happening in the world Last week's message was a hard one That's why we review And view everything through God's word it, That carries over into today's message Especially as new mandates Are declared in our cities And in our counties Quick question for you How many of you are anxious A couple of people raised their hand right away We should just stop and pray right now How many of you have been anxious this last year? Yeah, a little bit. How many of you got anxious as soon as I asked that question? What is he going to do if I raise my hand? We tend to get anxious when things are not the way we think they should be. Two weeks ago, I was in my prayer journal and I couldn't get past the first scripture on the first page. I was struggling with anxiety myself. Okay, Lord, what are you doing? How are we going to do this? What, how, how, what if? Philippians 4, 6-7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiousness. You see, we tend to get anxious when we're trying to provide for our own interests, not God's. When everything becomes about us, and then it doesn't pan out the way we thought it should, we get anxious. But we're told to go to God and to verbally make a request with a grateful and a thankful heart see, if you and I don't have the proper perspective, we panic a bit when instead we need to simply go to God. Why do we always panic first? We know when we go to God, he takes care of it and brings calm, brings direction and brings peace. But we like to panic and be anxious for some reason. Now we're back to the word we used last week, submitting to God. Surrendering. We all like to surrender. You know you can even surrender your anxiety to God. He'll take it. Stating to God, may your will be done, not mine. Truly letting go of your own thoughts, your own desires. And Jesus even addressed anxiety in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And you can read the whole thing later, but I wanted to key in on verses 33 and 34. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Charles Stanley says, God doesn't tell us to stop worrying over food and shelter and clothing because we don't really need them. He knows we need them. He wants us to stop worrying because he's promised to take care of every need that we have perspective in the midst of chaos, in the midst of persecution. We're to seek first all things about God and his kingdom. Then everything else you and I need will be taken care of. Notice how it doesn't say everything you want. (laughs) Everything you want. No, everything you need will be taken care of. That's one of the things we have to be careful with as we get into the Christmas season, right? One of the big fear factors that they did right away was to say, your children aren't going to be able to have a Christmas this year because there's a supply shortage. Let's make it about fear. No, Christmas is about hope. Christmas is about Jesus. It's about joy. It's about celebration. He will give us what we need And that alone relieves the tension and the anxiety because God's got it. God's got you. You don't have to worry about it. He is in control. Let's read our text. It's 1 Peter 2. We're gonna go 13 through 17 for context. Starting with verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, rather to a king as the one in authority or the governor's as sent by him for punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God By that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as a bond slave of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Now, as we've been talking and working through this, a review of, of last week's message is warranted because of how ha- how hard it was and what does it even look like and how do we apply this regardless of where you or i stand politically we're commanded to pray for those in leadership we need this on repeat in our brains every day pray for the leaders of our land First Timothy 2, 1 through 4. First of all, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all in authority so that, they may, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and in dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Guys, pray for our leaders, not a reluctant prayer, not just throwing up a prayer, oh yeah, God, would you help those guys that are leading us, because they're a mess? No, it's to fervently pray for our leaders, to cry out to God, because in case you haven't noticed that we truly are in a mess right now in our nation, we're to give the government that which is the government's, but we're also to give to God that which is God's. We're called to submit to the governing authorities, but are you giving to God that which is his? Have you surrendered your whole life? Are you all in? That's where we have to start. We also remember that we live in a time and in a country that has freedoms and rights that are afforded to us because of our Constitution. We have the ability to vote. We have the ability to even personally engage and to run for office. And according to God's word, we need the government to provide basic things that we take for granted, to provide law and order. Without the government, lawlessness would indeed run wild. But what do we do when we disagree? Well, first we remember, as I repeated many times last week, that God will indeed use the righteous and the unrighteous to exact his will in his creation. Paul said, though, in Romans 12, 18, if it's possible, as full far as it depends on you, do everything you can to be at peace with all men. And that's what we're called to do, to pursue that peace. We closed out the message by looking at, at when it's proper to act out in civil disobedience. Here's something we all like to talk about. Christians should resist a government that commands or compels evil and should work nonviolently within the laws of the land to change a government that permits evil. So civil disobedience is permitted when the government's laws or commands are in direct violation of God's laws and God's commands. We also know that if a Christian disobeys an evil government, unless he can flee from that government, he should indeed accept that government's punishment for his actions. But the thing we have to remember that we as Christians are certainly permitted to work, to install new leaders, to engage within the laws that have been established. And that's where it gets difficult. The balance of living in a country that gives us rights and obeying the governing authorities while being a witness to the difference between Christian citizens and non-Christian citizens. What do we do? As we talk about the mandate with the masks, okay, within our government, within our governing system, a lawsuit was filed, there was amendment made, and they backed off of that mandate and that law and allowed freedom. So we push back within the guidelines of what we've been given within government. We are to live as free citizens, yet we're also servants of God. This next point is actually from last week's message that we didn't get to. The believer's good behavior is to silence the critics of Christ. 1 Peter 2.15, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. I always pray that, that, Lord, would you help us to be an example and an encouragement to those that we interact with on a daily basis. You, You see here, the believers of the early church were under direct and severe attack from society. Those they lived with were attacking them, as well as the government. People didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And the call for them to deny their flesh, they didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't want anything to do with living a holy life. They wanted to live how they wanted to. They wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. And wait a minute, though. Doesn't that sound like today, the time that we're living Nothing's changed. Uh, Paul wrote to, to young Pastor Timothy in Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and the heading of my Bible says, difficult times will come. L- look at Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, uh, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power, avoid such men as these. Uh, That scripture could have been written this morning. (laughs) It hasn't changed, has it? Maybe it's even intensified in our own society, our own community, maybe somebody even in this very room. The very idea that a person had to give all that he was and all he had to Christ and his cause for the world evangelization, that they had to sacrifice themselves to meet the desperate needs of a dying world, that was the last thing upon their minds. That was the very last thing they were going to accept. It happens today as well. Therefore, the government and the society of the time was set upon stamping out the church and anyone who refused to turn away from Christ and his cause. So the Bible calls out the naysayers and those who would persecute the church as ignorant and foolish. I encourage you not to use those two words in a conversation with somebody, though. Bless you. I personally can't imagine or fathom rejecting a person because they believe and they teach about love and joy and peace and health and patience and gentleness and about obeying the law of the land and the authority of the government, even teaching on purity and justice, righteousness and self-discipline or self-control. But that's what the world does on a daily basis. They reject Jesus. They reject everything that he stands for. And a news flesh, A reminder, just in case you didn't know, even though there's a coexist bumper sticker, well, it rejects the very nature of Jesus. If they truly grabbed a hold of what the nature of Jesus was, that sticker wouldn't be on their vehicle. Jesus is the only way. And if you read the words of the Bible and you claim faith in Christ, there are some hard things in there that we must do. It really is when submitting and surrender and sacrifice comes in, the reality is that anyone who opposes the amazing, amazing virtues and teachings of Jesus, if they oppose the teaching of the Bible, they're doing a very foolish thing. A very, very foolish thing. And Jesus talked about the narrow and wide gates in Matthew 7 13 through 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. There are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it You see there is a gate that is wide it's broad it's spacious many people choose to go that way they they choose to go the way that seems easier now there's less sacrifice now even within that there are many people who are seeking a religious experience even the hard part of the scripture Some of our most loved family members and friends are on that wide path. They're willfully walking towards that wide gate. They're willfully walking towards destruction. Religion. Religion is man's attempt at making himself acceptable to a holy God, but Jesus instructs, enter through the narrow gate that leads to life, that leads to Jesus. It speaks to relationship, not religion. Jesus is the one who makes us acceptable. There will be few who find this path or make it to the narrow gate because they're not willing to submit to God. The only way to a genuine relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. It's all because what Jesus did on the cross and the fact that he rose from the grave, that's what gives us hope. That's what gives us strength. I don't know what kind of picture I had in my head of, of this whole thing of, of a narrow gate and a wide gate. For some reason, I kind of grew up thinking there were kind of two separate paths, but really, it's the same path. As you get closer to God, it's getting narrower and narrower. Do you realize we're walking up that path against people who are walking the opposite direction? We're bumping elbows and shoulders with people who are walking towards Destruction. How many times can we reach out and try to grab a hold of somebody, get them turned around and on the right path? We should do that every day. If we'll stay on point with our relationship with God, if we're seen as a genuine believer, that is that we're someone who is not just talking the talk, but we're actually walking the walk, living for Christ. By, by doing good, by, by being a genuine, spirit-filled believer, eventually our critics will be silenced. It may take time, but eventually righteous and godly behavior will indeed overcome the lies and the attacks of the enemy. We need to hold fast. We need to keep walking in the right direction on that path towards Jesus. The evil that's present in this earth will eventually be seen for what it is. Hard things obey your rule your rulers so that our lawful and righteous behavior will silence any question about Christ and his great cause here's the tension we face right now obey your leaders wear a mask get a vaccine socially distance This requires us to re-engage in praying for our country and our leaders even more, maybe actually becoming a leader within the community. Regardless, as I've been studying and praying through all this, guys, I'm struggling with it. I wanna push back. (laughs) That's my nature, right? But I've gotta surrender that. It's interesting, this last mandate that's come down, this last go-round of wear your mask everywhere. I've had a much better attitude. I want to be salt and light. I want to walk into somebody's restaurant or somebody's business and I want to encourage them and and encourage them to be thankful that, yeah, people are wearing masks, walking in the door, but you're still open. You're not shut down. It's all good. Let's have some lunch. (laughs) Let's, Let's enjoy some green chili. We're to be salt and light. People don't need the extra grief and tension. There's been a lot of pushback. Guys, we're to be an example. When we're out in the world and we're walking the streets and we're doing business, just, just be the example. Go above and beyond, and be joyful in it, and watch how it changes their demeanor and brings some hope to them. Especially to those who have decided to go back to work. Let's encourage those who are going back to work. You and I have to get into the word. We've gotta go deeper. You and I n- n- need to go to prayer. I've been challenged. God's been just challenging me even more this last week. Go deeper in prayer. Did you pray about that? Well, well, no. Okay, well, let's pray about it. (laughs) Press in. Go deeper. We We need to seek the Lord at every level of our lives on a daily basis. As I said earlier, as a church, due to working within the law and, and, and what we do to uphold our rights and those who are working and fighting endlessly to help us up, uphold our rights, we don't have to adhere to that mandate within this facility, within this, in, within this building, but we can still be an example within our community. We must respond as a spirit-filled believer at every point, at every interaction. Be Jesus to somebody And a reminder, when it comes to the state, the government, Jesus said, a Christian must render or give to Caesar the things of Caesar. Look at why Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Uh, The Pharisees went and plotted together how they may trap him in what he said. Uh, They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one uh, for you are not partial to any. So tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give the poll tax to Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their malice, their wickedness or evil desire and said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose likeness in his inscription is on this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. Hearing this, they were amazed. Leaving him, they went away. That's a good example of us being a spirit-filled believer. (laughs) Answering questions with scripture to the point, although he did call them hypocrites to their face, but use scripture to answer. See, Jesus has a higher authority than the state. It's God Himself. So when the state begins to fail in executing justice under God, the Christian must listen to and be obedient to God rather than the state. So there are times when Christian, when a Christian serves the highest good of the state by refusing to obey the state and insisting on obedience to God. By such he bears a greater witness. And he works for a greater justice by effecting change within that state. guys, in this, and I didn't put it in the message, so I'm going in a dangerous territory, going off manuscript, <laughs> is abortion right? Then why aren't we fighting tooth and nail against it? There's a law that needs to be changed across our nation. Too many babies have been killed. Because that's why we engage in this free country that we live in, and we step up, and we fight for those who are being murdered. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. I'm going to reel myself back in or I'll get worked up. If we're going to do those kinds of things, though, we have to understand. If we're going to stand up for God's truth, if we're going to stand, we've got to understand that there's a cost. Have you counted the cost? Do you understand the cost of standing firm in your faith? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, On a personal level, standing for your faith means that that you do not do the things that you used to do before you surrendered your life to him. There's a cost. It it will cost your flesh. As I've talked with and prayed with some uh, some of you, it it costs your family because you're standing firm in your faith and you're not going to sway to the left or to the right. And now family is ostracizing and pushing away from you. There's a cost, but it's worth the cost to look at eternity, to stay focused on him. He'll walk with you every step of the way. What does obedience to scripture look like? It's great we can read scripture, we see some cool things, wow, that's good, that's really good, I like that, but are we applying it? Do we really, uh, are we really obedient to Scripture, Acts 23, 5, it speaks again to Paul we, before the council. He says, I was not aware, brethren, that he was a high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. The apostle Paul had a great respect for the authority of Scripture. Guys, when we talk about that lens of our, our biblical worldview, looking through the, the Bible as our guide in life, it means that we've got to respect what Scripture says. The high priest interpreted Paul's claim as blasphemy and had him slapped. Paul reacted, firing back a law of God against the high priest, accusing him of breaking the law. Very simply, Paul called the high priest even a hypocrite while he sat in judgment and broke the law. Again, William Barclay points out the striking of a man was prohibited by Jewish law. He who strikes a cheek of an Israelite strikes as it were the glory of God. He who strikes a man strikes the holy one. Paul lashed out, not knowing he was addressing the high priest, but when Paul was informed that he had rebuked the high priest, he immediately apologized. Not out of fear, he he wasn't afraid of them, but scripture spoke against it. That's how much he loved and believed in God's word. Do you love and believe in God's word that much that as you read it, as you hear it, that you're going to apply it and you're going to be obedient to it. That's my prayer, is that I would love God's word that much. Do you hold God's word in the same regard? Do you believe in it enough to actually do what it says even when it's uncomfortable? That's kind of how I opened up last week's message. I love doing expository teaching. I love going verse to verse until we get to the hard stuff then I'd rather skip that and let's do something else. No, we dig in. Okay, God, what does your word say? Help us to be obedient to it. Help us stay focused on you. And both Jesus and Paul show us how we act and interact, makes that impact. The question is, are we making a good impact, an impact that brings glory to God, or are we bringing glory to man? Are you responding with discernment in every situation? Are you responding appropriately in each situation? Are you using your own words to argue with people or are you using scripture to respond? Remember, we've talked about when temptation came to Christ, he responded with scripture. As we struggle with temptation, we should do the same thing, but how much more so should we respond to those arguments that come up with scripture Instead of our own tongue. What does God's word say about it? How could we use God's word in each and every situation? Even as we've talked about, you know, not changing a series of what we're teaching to match the times and what we're going through because as we go through God's word, we're going to find out that it does line up with what we're walking through. Use God's word. That's the importance of us being in it on a daily basis. Verse 16 Uh, Act as free men. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Act as free men, but use your freedom as a servant of the Lord. Live as free citizens, but a servant of God. You see, when a person believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that person, as we talked about last week, surrenders all, submits or subjects himself or herself to God above all other laws, If man's law stands against God's law, then the true believer obeys God rather than man. But we have to take note, and I would encourage you not to throw anything at me at this time, there is a danger that the believer can use their freedom as a cloak or a veil to act maliciously against the state, against the government. He or she can disobey laws because they claim they're unjust when in fact they're not. It is just a matter of, well, we don't really care for the law, or dare I say, the mandate. But again, do we understand true persecution? Remember, there's a big outcry of persecution. The church is being persecuted. Mm. Do we really understand what persecution is? And I don't think so. William Barclay states it well, he says, any great Christian doctrine can be perverted into an excuse for evil. The doctrine of grace can be perverted into an excuse to sinning to one's heart's content. The doctrine of the love of God can be sentimentalized into defense for breaking the law of God. The doctrine of of the life to come, eternal life, can be perverted into a reason for neglecting life in this world. Live like you want to, you got heaven, you'll be okay. There is no doctrine so easy to pervert, though, as the doctrine of Christian freedom, Christian liberty. You see, there are many places in the New Testament talk about doctrine that's being perverted frequently, and this is not new. Paul tells the Galatians that they are called to freedom. Galatians 5.13, you're called to freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Don't lose focus. Don't lose perspective. Charles Stanley said, We are free in Christ, but we do not have license to sin because it no longer fits who we are as the children of God. Rather, we have been set free from every encumbrance to become who he created us to be, those who build up and encourage others through creative, spirit-led ministries. Why would anyone who truly loves Jesus want to use his or her cross bought freedom to do anything that would disgrace his name? I've told you guys before, before I even get on the platform on Sunday morning, I'm telling God, yeah, and if I'm going to do anything today that is not going to bring honor to you, take me out. I invite the lightning bolt. So if you ever see a burnt mark out in front of the building when you get here, someone needs to fill in. I don't want to do anything that would dishonor God. That should be our everyday life. God, help me not to do anything to dishonor you today. What's the main point? You and I as believers are the servants of God. We're not the servants of our own ideas and our own thoughts. We're to serve God and his call, not our own lusts and our own desires. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I surrender to you my heart's desires, my thoughts. I ask that you make my heart match your heart. What is it that you want from me? Uh, What is it you have for me? Help me to desire that. I want my heart to line up with God's heart. That should be our prayer. But within that main point, there's a reality check. We have no right to break the laws of government unless those laws directly oppose God and his law, his word. So here we are, dealing with the government living as citizens of the state, just like those who Peter is writing to. But in that, they were given very, four very clear, distinct duties. These are required of every single one of us as believers, every servant of God, especially us today. Verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God honor the king. Respect and esteem all citizens as your fellow citizens. Remember the early church and its believers, they were surrounded by heathen worshipers of idols and corrupt people who wallowed around in a cesspool of immoral and unjust and drunken behavior even. Yet scripture is here saying, honor all men. These as well as the more controlled and disciplined. Note that this doesn't mean to honor them because of their sin but to honor them because they're God's creation, because their souls are of more value than the wealth of the world. Honor them because of any virtue and good and order that they have in their lives. Honor them because they contribute to the work, to the defense, to the structure of a nation. All persons are to be honored, respected, esteemed. No person is to be mistreated no matter who he, may, he or she may be, rich or poor, corrupt or clean, bad or good, evil or righteous, destructive or constructive, must try to reach all persons on earth for Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. These people need to be honored. They need to make a contribution to society. They need to be doing all the good that they can for society. No person is ever to be counted beyond reach. The question for you this morning is well, we can love the lovelies, can't we? They smell good, they dress right, they talk good, everything's perfect. But what about the unlovelies? Can we love the unlovelies? We're called to. Luke 10, 33, 34 says, But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, came to him and bandaged his wounds and poured oil and wine on them and uh, put him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. Or Acts 28, 2, The natives showed us extraordinary kindness because of the rain that had set in and the cold, and they kindled a the fire, and they received us well. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So honor all men. Next, love the brotherhood. It means that to love all believers, whoever they may be, regardless of color, nationality, or beliefs. It doesn't mean that we accept bad or dangerous doctrine or false teaching or allow people to wallow in their own sinful lifestyle. But if a person is a brother or sister in Christ, a true believer, we are to love them. You got to love me. <laughs> and I got to love you. It's not enough to honor and respect a brother. It's something more, something far more is respect is expected of us. It's to love, a a true brotherly love. It means that we're to care for and look after each other. It's what you guys did as a church when Pam was sick. You reached out and you loved on us beyond what I could even have ever imagined. We're to teach one another, feed one another, support each other, to help each other, protect each other, to share with one another. We're to fellowship and commune with one another. We're to pray for, we're to worship with one another. And love is the opposite, the very opposite of criticizing, of backbiting and grumbling and murmuring and being divisive. We're to love the brotherhood of all believers everywhere. Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that we're gonna be in heaven with some people we disagreed with on earth. <laughs> They're gonna be there. We need to love them. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Basically, our vision statement for the church. The two greatest commands, he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Romans twelve nine through the first part of verse 10, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. So guys, make sure that we're loving each other. Love the fellow believer. Next, fear God. You're not failing your duty to obey God as a citizen or as a member of God's church. Fear God. His will and commandments are to be obeyed. Fear what will happen if you disobeyed God. Remember we talked a few weeks ago about being fearful of ever going back to the life that you were once in. The idea is that judgment is coming and disobedience will bring the judgment of God down upon you. Matthew 10:28 says do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 10:12 says now Israel what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and love him to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul Isaiah 8, 13, it is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Fear God. And then last, honor the king. Honor the supreme authority of the nation. Remember, evil and infamous Nero was on the throne when this is being written, and the believers were being persecuted by the government, by the authorities. We as believers are to be a people of order and discipline, of righteousness and justice. We set a powerfully dynamic example of love and peace so that even if someone can be won to Christ and saved for eternity by how we act and react, we read earlier in Acts three five that Paul apologized because he did not know he was speaking to the high priest. And last week we read um, Romans 13.1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, for those who which exist are established by God. And even in the Old Testament, it's evident that we're to respect our leaders. Exodus 22.28, you shall not curse God, nor curse a ruler of your people. But for the here and now, for today, how do we truly live free? How do we do this? We start with the law of God itself applied to us individually. Guys, be, be people that are known as people of the book. Let it be evident that you've spent time in God's word. Complete and total submission, a restored relationship with God himself. It's the only thing that'll ultimately help us as we submit to the government that he has placed over us. The leaders that he has given us, we the people, the liberty or the freedom to put into office, to uphold and to create laws that we just read, we as Christians are to obey. The simplicity, honor all men and women Love the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Love the fellow believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Simply said, live as a Holy Spirit-filled follower of Christ. That was our theme as we uh, walked through the book of Acts. We were ambassadors for Christ as a Spirit-filled believer. Every day, seek him. Seek words of wisdom from him. Seek direction from him. Remember that civil government and law are indeed a restraint upon evil. The power of evil and corruption is so strong that when men without law, they go on a rampage of selfishness and sin. Looting, stealing, assault, immorality, destruction, even murder, history. History and the breakdown of law within communities and cities and societies and families, it it provides that evidence. We know it. When law does not exist or when law is not enforced, evil runs rampant. Society desperately needs to heed this fact. I will never tell you to do what is outside of God's word. Each one of you are responsible for your own actions how you handle God's word. You're you're responsible for your choices. That's why you won't hear me tell you whether or not you should wear a mask or get a shot. But I will always tell you to seek God first. Ask God, it says in the book of James, ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. You and I need to be working at being obedient. Yes indeed, to give the government what is due the government But are you truly giving to God what is his first? That's the priority. God first, then everything else. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Then everything else will be taken care of, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word that it speaks truth to each of us. Lord, and there are hard things, Again, but to be able to live free. We can live free underneath you in your word and under your grace, and we thank you. We thank you for that truth. God, you know the, the headspace of each person who's listening to this message today. You, you know where they are mentally. You know where they are spiritually. God, would you speak to each and every person? with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you know the strengths and you know the struggles. You know the fears and the anxieties that seem to be driving people today. Lord, help us not to be driven by any of those things, to be driven by fear. Help us to remember Zechariah 4, 6. the, The word of the Lord to Zerubbabel saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, Says the Lord of hosts, not by might, not by anything we can do, but by your Holy Spirit. So may we, as Holy Spirit empowered followers of Christ, prioritize our relationship with you. Eyes on you first, knowing that you're going to take care of everything else, and that you'll give us everything we need to accomplish your will in and through our lives in this time that we're living. Thank you that you're walking with us. Help us, Lord, as we move into this Christmas season to not lose perspective, to not be swayed to the left or to the right, but to keep walking one step at a time with our eyes on you. And I have to remember we're walking together. There's other believers. So we thank you for that, Father. Let we give you praise. Everything that we've talked about this morning is all about Jesus. Everything we do as a ministry in this place is about a relationship with Jesus. We know and understand God created the heavens and the earth and it was perfect, and it was purpose. But Satan brought sin into the garden. That sin broke that relationship with the Father. And ever since then, we have this void that we try to fill as a human being. We try to fill it with everything we can, any and everything we can. Drugs and alcohol, relationships, pornography, money, even religion, as we talked about in the, in the message today, people try to fill that void with being religious. If I do enough religious things, maybe I'll make it, but none of those things will fill the void. Only Jesus can. God sent his son. As we talk about this Christmas season, that it, it starts at the stable in a manger, knowing that it's gonna end at the cross. And it's because of that action that we have the opportunity to repent, to ask for forgiveness of our sins, to believe in Jesus. That restores our relationship with the Father. God's Word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Repent and believe. That's the call. If that's you today, either in this room or listening online or or listening on the radio, you can be forgiven. You can ask Christ to be Lord of your life this morning. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you would say, I know I need that relationship with God. I need to be restored. I'm gonna ask you to say a simple prayer and it's not a magic incantation, it's just a conversation, your heart to God's heart. Pray something like this, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and I believe you're alive today. I repent. I I turn from my sins. Forgive me. Come into my life today and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I'd love to chat with you. I'll be up front even after worship. I would love to pray with you. If you prayed online or on the radio, you can email me, scott at foothillscalvary.org, and I'll reach out to you as well. It's a big step, but it's an awesome step. Amen?
0: This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.